you guys. Our, our passage today is found in the book of John. John chapter 4. John is one of those four books that make up the gospel. The first four books of the New Testament. Listen, if you want to get a snapshot as to who Jesus is, I want to encourage you to begin reading somewhere. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And uh, to kind of get a better idea and a picture as to who Jesus is and, and, and know what he is capable of doing. How many of you know that Jesus is more than able, amen? That with him all things are, are possible, amen? In John chapter 4, one of my favorite stories in scripture of Jesus, beginning in verse 4, it reads like this. Jesus is leaving Judea and he's going to Galilee. And it says in verse 4 that he had to go through Samaria on the way. And eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, being tired from from a long walk, he sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. You might say kind of some racial tension here. Jews and Samaritans did not have anything to do with one another. And she said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you what kind of water? Living water. Come on, how many of you have drank from the living water that Jesus offers? And you know, you know, oh, that that's an incredible thirst quencher, amen? But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think that you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? But Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. Listen, today your search can end. It's in Jesus. Come on, somebody. You see, it becomes a fresh and bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. We continue today in this journey, this series entitled, Let's Talk. We are trying to get back in our culture to the art of conversation. We've lost that in our culture today, right? We, we've lost this idea of, of face-to-face conversations, much like Jesus had with this woman here in John chapter 4. And one of the main things that we've been talking about during this series is the thought that high-tech is low-touch. But low-tech is actually high-touch. Listen, I got three handwritten cards in the mail this week from people. I love that. Man, I was, I was like a fat kid in a candy store. I was so excited when I opened the mail and there was a handwritten letter. In fact, one of the letters said, hey, Pastor Jason, I was there when you started the series on, 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 on not, not texting or typing or, or, or posting a message. So I'm handwriting this letter to you. I love that. You made my day. This idea of of, of low-tech is really what our culture longs for. Let's be honest, technology's good, isn't it? But I believe that technology is changing relationships. In fact, I could go so far, I believe that it's actually damaging some of our relationships. 
This is the challenge for so many people right now. The only way that they know how to relate with each other is via technology, correct? That's all they do. I mean, people are starting to fear, I believe, and avoid what I would call unfiltered communication because we have become a culture that filters everything that we really post and put out there, right? We do. We, 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 we filter things and we post things to, to just maybe send a message to people that, that things are okay or, 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 or it's, 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 you know, it's not authentic a lot of times the things we post. So, so many of us only post what, what we want other people to see or, or the images that maybe we're trying to, to, to portray. A lot of people don't even really know how, how to show who they really are because they've built what I would call an online image. You've painted this picture that you've got it all figured out and things are great. When deep down inside, you know that that's not the real story and that life stinks and you're hurting and let's just face it, you're lonely. You're lonely. In fact, sociologists have have coined a new phrase that's called deferred loneliness. That if I feel lonely in the moment, I, I, I might post a, a, a picture and then, and then I'm going to go back a few minutes later to see if anyone has liked it or commented on it. Come on, somebody. And what happens is it quenches that thirst that I have just for a moment. But, but what I'm doing is I'm actually, I'm deferring the loneliness that I have deep down inside. And, and that need that I have is truly never satisfied. Here's what's happening in our culture today. We're living for likes, but we're longing for love. We're living for likes. If I can just get a thumbs up on an image I post, or if I can just get somebody to send me a smiley face, man, for so many of us, but deep down inside, we really long for love, much like this woman here in John chapter four. You see, we know that there's something more, but we just can't put our fingers on it. We can't. We're lonely. And then there's another thing that I think technology can do to us. I think technology can actually cause us to lose feelings towards other people. I think that technology can cause us to, 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 to lose some of our compassion towards our fellow man. Listen, I believe that it's time that we resurrect compassion. I really do. And if we're not careful, technology can continue to desensitize us from that very thing. My, my, my gut would be that, that, if, that, that, that if I see that there's a, a lot going on in people's lives, like I see on Facebook feeds or Instagram or whatever, listen, that, that if I see all that, that, that somehow my gut would say, I'm going to care more for what's going on there. But research shows exactly the opposite. In fact, the University of Michigan did this big study on on 14,000 college students. And what they found was this, that with the rise of social media and technology, there's actually a sharp decline in empathy and compassion. In fact, their study shows that we as a society care 40% less about other people than we did in the 1980s. That's shocking. We care 40% less. We're more connected. And, and, and you guys have thousands and thousands of friends through social media platforms. But yet when it comes down to it, we're a society that cares less and less. Now the study goes on to list three theories why this is happening. One is that we're more obsessed with ourselves. 
You know that we're a culture that's eat up with us, right? Right? In fact, did you know that there are 93 million selfies taken and posted a day? Some of you in this room are, 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 are good for about 200 of those a day. You know, you're, you're posting, I'm on my way to H-E-B. Uh, I, I just fed my cat. Uh, you know, I, you are. We, we are a culture that is obsessed with ourselves, right? Am I sitting, are you sitting next to a selfish person right now? Anybody, raise your hand. Just kidding. <laughs> Sir, you're going to eat lunch alone today. We are. And, and, and if I just post something that, that, that you like, if you give me that thumbs up or you hit whatever I post, my, my brain is releasing this, this dopamine. Right? It's, it's just giving me a little buzz. And I'm excited about it. It's this chemical hit. And, and I can become selfie-obsessed. We are so eat up with ourselves. We want to talk about me and my, right? We want to talk about us. Number one, we want to. Second theory is this, that, that when we're not interacting personally, the research says, it makes it easier for us not to care. Some of you may have been here before and you posted something like, hey, I'm hurting. Would somebody just pray for me? Okay, I see that. Yes, I'm going to pray for you. But the reality is of this, that if you're sitting next to me and you ask me to pray for you, I, I can see your body language. I, I can see your emotion. And, and, and they say that whenever that happens, I'm going to care 10 times more for you than if I just saw it via social media. That, that's why I go back to the comment about I love live stream because it's meeting a need and we're actually getting the gospel out to the ends of the earth. Even in Canada. What's up, Canada? Eh? Good to see you today. But listen, do not negate this fact that when we are together face-to-face -face with people, our compassion meter and our care-o-meter rises greatly because we're actually able to interact and talk face-to-face. -face. And then there's this third theory that says this, that overwhelming exposure to hard times actually desensitizes us. One article I read said that, that because everything looks equal on our social media feeds and on our phones, what happens is our brains don't know how to distinguish what's more important. For, for example, you, you've seen posts like this, and if you were to pull yours up right now while I'm preaching, well, shame on you, first of all, but, but you, if you did, you, you would see, on your feed, you would have a recipe for guacamole, and then there'd be, right underneath that, a, a, a picture of a football player beating his girlfriend. Right underneath that would, would, would be somebody with a funny cat video, or right underneath that would be a reporter talking about, you know, how ISIS is beheading people, right? We would see all of those in our feed, right? And, and, and what happens is we, 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 we are unable to distinguish what's most important. For some of you, you I lost you at guacamole, didn't I? You know, for, forget the cat, which I think is a great thing anyway in life. But <laughs> come on, bring the emails. I, I'm a big boy. Um, but but, but we, we just are desensitized from those things, right? Our brain's not able to determine what's more. So we wake up. With, without even knowing it, we, we just, we care more about ourselves and we care less about others. And my concern for us as the body of Christ is that it's affecting our compassion towards other people. You guys know that the church is called to be a compassionate group of individuals, correct? That we are to respond to needs around us with the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. 
And we're to step out and be Jesus in situations. Hey, listen, the things that are on the front page of the paper are on the front page of God's heart. And listen, if you want to know what God cares about, just kind of take a survey of what you're seeing and what you're hearing being blasted along, you know, um, alerts and things that are coming across your phone or what's being printed or what the media is talking about. Guys, listen, God cares about the things happening in this world. And we as a church need to care as well. God cares greatly about the plight of mankind. And I believe that, listen, it is a great time in history for the church to rise up and face and, and, and attack some of the social injustices going on in our culture. I believe it's the church that needs to rise up and be on the front lines and, and destroying this anger and bitterness and rage, this thing called racism. I believe it's the church that needs to rise up and run into the eye of the storm and help those who are down and out and destitute. Anybody with a preacher today? That's what we're called to be. That's what we're called to be. We are called to be compassionate and we're called to go and take this hope that we have, the story of Jesus Christ. In fact, I love this passage in Mark chapter one, verse 38. Jesus said, we must go on to other towns as well and I will preach to them too because that is why I came. I must go to the other towns and preach. Hey, but can we just hang out here for a while? Can't, listen, I'm comfortable here and this feels great and we know people here. No, no, no. Guys, I'm called to go and preach the good news of my father's kingdom in heaven and, and I must go and preach to others as well. I love the reminder here in John chapter four as I consider this missions team that we just heard from today and, and what they were a part of just several weeks ago in Tech Pan Guatemala, they were willing to go where God was sending them. Many of them wrote letters for fundraising support. Many of them had to sacrifice time with their family and off of, uh, away from work. They had to tell their clients, hey, listen, we'll get back with you when we, when we return home. But they were willing to, to, to raise the money, to sacrifice, to get on a plane and to go. They understood that there was a God appointment that they had with someone in Guatemala. And I want you to know that there's a God appointment in each and every one of your lives as well. You see, Jesus went to this woman in John chapter 4. He went to this woman at this well in Samaria because she also that day had an appointment with God. Come on, somebody. You see, in Jesus' detour into enemy territory, we see two important concerns that I believe that we need to be cognizant of as we consider our role as the church in bringing the message of the gospel today. The first one is this. We have to go where people are. We have to. Listen, technology's great and we're a big proponent of it. We've embraced it here at 1910. In fact, some of you are even watching us right now. We praise God for that. But listen, let's not resolve ourselves to just saying, hey, we're gonna post it, tweet it, or, or send a video about it. No, no, we need to go where people are. Are you with me today? Jesus did not say that the whole world should go to church. No, he said that the church needs to go to the whole world. That's why a group of doctors and moms and dads and even their kids will get on a plane and go to Guatemala because they understand that this message of Jesus Christ is so radical and it's life-changing, it's life-giving, and we want to make sure that every man and woman, boy and girl have an opportunity to hear about it. And so whatever that means for us, we will go. In, in Mark's gospel, chapter 16, verse 15, he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. It's not just a select few. For God so loved the world. 
and we're to go into the world. I led a missions team to Cancun a number of years ago, suffering. And I'll never forget when somebody, when I mentioned that, hey, we're going to take a trip down to Cancun. I remember people in the church saying, why in the world would you take our students to Cancun? Do you not watch MTV? Do you not know what happens down there at spring break? You, you, you know that if y'all drink that alcohol down there, you're going to die. You know that. That's what happens, right? Why in the world out of all the places, why would you take our students to a place like that? And I simply said this because Jesus said, go into all the world. And he did not exempt Cancun. And where to go? Now, before you start thinking, oh my gosh, you're got to We went to the dump in Cancun. We weren't staying in the hotel zona like so many of y'all do. We were in the dump where they literally dumped the trash, right, Pastor Danny? We could smell it. We watched them pilfer through it. That's where we went. So don't think we were sitting on the beach with Raul bringing us some drink with an umbrella in it or something, okay? No, this was the real deal. Why did we go there? Because there were people there, and they needed Jesus. And we just thought that, hey, listen, it's somebody that, like us, although our skin tone's a different color, we don't even speak the language. Hey, listen, you know that a smile is a universal language, right? You know that meeting someone's need is universal. Just being kind and compassionate, playing, having a good time. You know that those things transfer across cultural boundaries, correct? And we went. And I love to the fact today that there's still outreach ministries taking place there. There have been churches that have been planted in that region that are still taking place. Listen, we need to care about people. We need to go where people are. Secondly, we need to care about the people that we speak to. You see, here in John chapter 4, Jesus needed to go to Samaria because he cared for this woman. He cared for her. This is a woman that had a reputation. This is a woman that wasn't looked upon favorably in her community. And for a Jew to come and to engage her in conversation, woo, that is scandalous. More importantly, for a man to talk to a woman, she came to the well at noon because she knew that there wouldn't be many people gathered there in the heat of the day like that. Ah, but she met a rabbi that changed her life that day, amen? Jesus cared for this woman. He was willing. In fact, if you read the story in John chapter 4, his disciples finally came back from H-E-B and said, hey, what were you doing talking to that woman? You know, what, what, you sent us to buy hurricane food, and now you're talking to this woman. That, what, he just knew he cared for this Samaritan woman. I wonder, do we care for people like that? Are, are you willing to cross cultural lines? Are you willing to, to, to talk to those that maybe our society has placed on the fringe and they've, they've labeled or deemed as unworthy, dirty, or scandalous? Listen, those are the people. Did Jesus not say somewhere in Scripture that it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but it's those who are sick? Come on, you know there are sick people in our culture today, right? And they need a doctor. They need somebody who will be willing to care for them. I'm reminded when Paul was in Athens in, in Acts chapter 17 and he saw the plight of the city of Athens and how they'd been given over to idolatry. His spirit within him just was out of control. There was this holy anger and rage within them because he saw so many people turning to false gods and he said, I've got to do something about this. I'm going to speak up to this. In the same way, I believe that any effective sharing of the gospel has got to begin with a God-given burden. Church, listen, we have to care. Jesus cared. And he didn't just fire off an email. He didn't just write a letter to the Samaritan woman at the well. 
but he made a detour. He went out of his way to go and sit with her at noon that day and engage her in a face-to-face conversation. I just wonder, do we have a heart for people like that? Are we willing to do whatever it takes to reach out to those people that are perishing? That statistic from the University of Michigan said, we care 40% less about other people than we did in the 1980s. Hey church, listen, can we change that stat? Can we? Can we return to to somehow having having a heart for people? Can can we be a group of people that are willing to go where where people are and reach out with a heart of compassion? We're not not there to, 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 to berate you and make you feel insignificant and to become judgmental. That's not our role. We simply are gonna be Jesus. We wanna respond with a heart of compassion. Listen, Jesus knew what this woman in John chapter four was all about. But that's not how he began the conversation with her. He says, hey, listen, I'm thirsty, you're thirsty. Can I have a drink, right? And he began to address her needs despite her sin. (laughs) We need to go where people are at and be willing to reach out them with a heart of compassion. Hey, listen, don't just tweet about Jesus. Jesus is, is is, is worth more than a tweet. You know that, right? I don't know what some of y'all do. You, you, you pirate the verse off a of you version, which is the verse of the day. And you throw it on some sexy mountain or ocean background. And, and it makes it look like to all of us that you've been in the word of God studying and mining the truth. Come on. That's called Photoshop and plagiarism. <laughs> why don't you study and read? And, and, and why don't you just begin to share your heart with people? And I'm not against that. I, I'm glad y'all are reading you verse, and I feel really bad now, Pastor Craig, for mentioning that. But, but it's okay. But, but listen, when will we reach out really face-to-face and engage our neighbor across the street? Would, would, would you be willing to hop on a plane on our next trip to Guatemala and say, hey, I want to go. I don't speak the language, you know. I, I don't know what I'm getting into, but I just know that there are people there that need the Jesus that is within me, and I'm going to go. I want to go. Somebody go. Somebody tell somebody. There's a God appointment awaiting you this week. Will you take advantage of that moment? And will you share the reason for the hope that you have? Would you stand with me this morning as we get ready to to leave this place? And I want to thank you guys for being here. And, And I praise God once again for a church that understands going and making Jesus known. Listen, I mean this. Listen, for every one of you in this room, there's a God appointment. Jason Karsten, there's a God appointment for you this week. There is with somebody that, that maybe you, you're, you work with. There's going to be a God appointment, okay? There's going to be one for you this week. Don't miss that moment. Don't miss that moment. Miss McGuire, there's a student this week that you're going to have an opportunity to interact with, and you're going to have an opportunity to show them the love of Jesus. Don't miss that. I know you've got a curriculum to teach, but listen, you've got a Savior to talk about too. Let them see Jesus in you. Every one of us have one of those God moments. Ron, there's one for you this week. There's a God appointment, Ron. Don't be so caught up in getting things done, your to-do list, and getting from appointment to appointment that you miss this individual. Hey, Ron, God's going to bring somebody across your path this week. Don't miss that moment.
And guys, listen, these moments are not for, for us to toot our horn and for us just to get a, another like on Facebook. No, no, this is all for the glory of God, amen? Listen, he's the one that's worth bragging about. We're, we're dirty, rotten scoundrels. We're saved by the blood of Jesus, amen? But listen, he is a king that is worthy. He's worth it. And he's the one that receives all the glory and honor and praise, amen? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for being worth it. You're, being, you're, you're worth it, Jesus, of us stepping out of our comfort zone. You're, 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 you're worth more than a tweet or a Facebook post. You are worthy of a conversation with somebody this week that, you're gonna cross path, that we're going to cross paths with. God, let us not miss this God appointment this week, this moment. It may happen at a coffee shop. It may happen in a carpool line. It may happen as we walk our kid into class tomorrow. It may happen as we're shopping. It may happen even in our home. Lord, let us not miss these moments, these appointments. God, I pray that we would engage someone. We'd share with them the hope that we have. We'd pray with someone that's struggling. In fact, maybe you're here today and that's you. Maybe you've got something very real that you're facing right now. There's a hurt, there's a pain, there's a struggle. Maybe there's something this week facing you that to you seems like a mountain that is impossible to get over. Let me just remind you that with God, all things are possible. And we stand here ready today down front to come alongside of you and encourage you to give you a word of hope and, 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 and a message that might just push you over the top this week and help you as you face whatever's coming your way. We're better together. We're stronger together. Don't leave this moment without receiving some word of encouragement from our team as they stand down front today. God, again, I pray that through the conversations we have with others this week, God, others would get a glimpse as to who you are and the difference you make in people's lives. Aren't you guys thankful that Jesus makes a difference in people's lives? And it's in that great name of Jesus, we clap, we celebrate. Come on, you can clap. That we clap and we celebrate and we go in the power and the strength and in the name of Jesus this morning, we go in his strength. Everybody said, amen. Thank you guys so much. You are dismissed. Thank you.